Don't sweat the technique. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the decoy, and your favorite drive-time sports talk, the Killer Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. He's Blank, I'm Brad, and we are at the decoy at Spring Branch. Joe's out here as well, uh, enjoying these daily happy hour specials. Every weekday until 7 p.m., Modelo happy hour specials, Fireball happy hour specials, House Wine happy hour specials, Tito's as well. It is a Western Wednesday, $2 off whiskey cocktails and specialty shots as well. Indoor 24-foot TV wall, outdoor 185-inch big screen TV. There's volleyball courts, sand volleyball courts out here. It's a great spot. It's outstanding, great spot to watch your football. No UFC covers, no boxing pay-per-view covers as well, which is worth the price of admission, right? Because you don't have to pay anything to watch a little UFC, watch a little boxing. A King of Twitch is challenging us on the Nick Casario thing. He's like, yeah, Nick Casario sucks. Uh, he, he was responsible for the crap sandwich. He was responsible for David Cully. He was responsible for Lovey Smith. He was responsible for, uh, what was it? I guess it would be seven wins in the last two years. The thing, though, is he inherited a team that was 4-12 and that was in cap hell because O'Brien put it there. They didn't have draft capital because O'Brien put it there, and you didn't have a very good roster. You had a roster that won four games. You had a quarterback that was demanding a trade. I don't know what your expectations were for Nick Casario whenever he took over this team. Like, some of the moves questionable, like trading a six-rounder for Ryan Finley. Like, that's weird. I understand hiring David Culley's weird, but I think it was the Bo Porter to Jeff Lunos, like, thing. Like, we're going to get some guy who's positive, who's a cheerleader, who's going to be able to be here for two years while we suck. But then he couldn't co-sign David Culley for a second year because he was so bad, so he just promoted from within a bad organization. Like, if you're promoting from within a bad organization, it means it's just a bridge. It's another interim. So they were looking at two years, let's move on after that, then year three is where we're going to start making a move. I think making the playoffs in year three is actually ahead of schedule for the Nick Casario master plan. You and I disagreed a little bit on this, but I even said just the way that you look like your hands are completely tied in the trade of Watson because he had the no trade, that he orchestrated a deal that he got enough for him, and he got the three ones, and he got all that he got. I gave him credit for that because I think a lot of general managers wouldn't have been able to navigate through all of that to get that. Work and get it worked out before the deal was even made. So I know that you you differ on that, but I, I mean yeah, to that I point, he, he he. I think I gave him credit for that, and I, I said, look. But as we went into this season, a lot was riding on what he was doing with the draft and what he was what, you know, even draft day because we said if we're in the same position, having the same conversation a year from now before this season started, not knowing what CJ was going to be. That it was right, it, he would be rightfully on the hot seat. Yeah, I mean, like, and I, I, I get it. I, I, I guess I hear where King is coming from, because it was Nick Casario was the one in charge when things were so bad. But the the problem is, is that like, King, I know you think like we just like gas up the Texans way too much, but if you just look at the award itself, what you see from one year to the next is a big change in results. The Cincinnati Bengals were a four win football team. The next year they won their division. They won executive of the year. The Philadelphia Eagles went from nine wins to 14 wins. Back when Ryan, I think uh, the Bears GM won it a couple years ago. Like you see bad team becomes good team, and it's not always that executive's first year on the job. Yeah, I was, this is not a gas up the Texans moment. This is how the award is built in the history of yeah, it. Yeah, I was changing I was I mean I, I changed the subject to more Nick Casario's tenure as a Texan versus yeah. like who cares about the award, right? We care more about the build for the Houston Texans. 
Nick, this is Nick Casario's third year, and they're on the cusp of being a playoff team. They have a real head coach. They have a real quarterback, and he took over a four-win team that just fired its head coach that had Jack Easterby around that had a quarterback that was demanding a trade. I think Casario's done a, a good job, and I, I do think he's ahead of schedule. King of Twitch, uh, he also says on the uh, on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5, he says, now you have a roster of one-year contracts. I, again, I disagree. You have C.J. Stroud, who's in the first year of a rookie deal, fifth-year team option. Will Anderson, and you know how I feel about the Will Anderson trade. He's still a foundational piece for this team for the next four years, potentially plus one. You look at the defense, Derek Stingley is a foundational piece. Jalen Petrie is a foundational piece. And they have tons of cap space, and they have their full, like, they don't have their first-round pick, but they have Cleveland's first-round mm-hmm. pick, so they still have a full arsenal of draft class. I think Casario's done a good job. You and I talked about kind of a calendar plan, kind of like a, a lifespan of this, this reset when we were embracing the suck. How long is it going to take? I don't think either one of us said three years in because of the fact that he was digging out of such a, mo- a monster hole from Bill O'Brien because he was in cap hell to start out because he had so many strikes against him just in the deck that was left to him to be dealt by Bill O'Brien. That I don't think any of the three of us said then or would say, you know, looking back at it, oh, year three, they'll be stiff in the playoffs. Year three, there could be a playoff team. Year three is the first year that you start, like, you're, you get back to ground zero and you start taking those baby steps forward to get this team where it needs to go. But year three what not a team that's tied for the division lead with three games to go looking at a possible playoff spot regardless. When you're bringing in a general manager when your team is lousy too, the most insignificant two years of his tenure are the first two years in terms of win-loss record. Now, the, what you're, the moves that you're making matter a lot. They always matter a lot. But that's why, like, last year, whenever we were, like, embrace the suck, wins and losses don't matter because they don't matter in year two of a rebuilding team. And when, when Casario came in here, and it, I hated the fact that he wouldn't say that we're rebuilding because it adds these expectations that, are, that are, aren't, aren't realistic. He should have just been like, yeah, we're tearing it down, we're rebuilding, and been honest about it. He should, like, that was a mistake on his part, not that it really matters a whole lot. But the most insignificant two years from a win-loss perspective for Nick Casario's tenure as a Houston Texans general manager were the last two years. No one cares about that. How do we view Jeff Luno in this city? We think that Jeff Luno is like a god mm-hmm. and that they should, there should be a statue of him outside of Minute Maid Park. Jeff Luno won 55 games and 51 games in his first two years. We don't really remember that because the first two years of a general manager's tenure in a rebuilding organization are the most insignificant two years they're going to have in their tenure with that organization. It's all personnel-driven at, at that time when a new general manager takes over, and the only exception would be if you take over a very successful, powerful franchise, something goes wrong, and then the general manager has to pick up the torch and keep running with it and make it better than it was you know, as soon as possible. But other than that, the first two years are completely based on re, uh, on completely rebuilding your roster, your personnel, your draft picks, your your cap to set you up to do what you need to do in the job. It's like when a new coach takes a, a college job; they get that window where you've got to get rid of the guy, other coaches' recruits and and the uh, the way the other coaches played, and you got you get a little bit of a a, a buffer. Yeah, you get a little cushion. Yeah, to get your your people in there and your recruits in there and do it your way. It's the same thing with administration, and professional sports. You know that this was a rock-bottom situation for this team regardless. When a GM takes over, there's no owner in the league that's going to say, well, year one, you should be really starting to turn this thing around and get it going, and then year two and three, you should be getting ready for the playoffs. No one sees it that way. The uh, like, look, Use U of H football as the, like, the, to illustrate your point. Love, love Dana Holgerson. It was really good to me. Love the hire in Willie Fritz and support the administration for moving on because they didn't win enough games. If, if they kept Dana and they won six games next year, 
Where is the fan base's reaction oh, to that? Probably they're, indifferent. They're, I, I think they're Maybe irate. Ma- yeah, probably mad. You're yeah, probably right. I think they're irate. Yeah, I would agree with that. If it's Willie in year one and they win six games and go to a bowl, they're happy. Yeah, he's starting to do they're some happy. things to sit to lay the foundation. Um, yeah, so seven one three seven eight zero espn there, You have to give a cushion to a, any a head coach, a general manager that's taking over a rebuilding team. He, King of Twitch says he would give more credit to D'Amico than Casario. That's fair. That's fine. That's that's a, that's a fine comment. I'm, I'm fine okay with, that. with that. No problem with that. But big picture, like when you look at the impact of the free agents and the rookies that all signed here and what it's done to the organization, like I would be – Surprised if he doesn't win. If, if it's not him, I think it'll be Brad Holmes. Okay, but but to King's point, it illustrates ours because both guys, even if it was in tandem, are doing what they're doing to turn around a miserable franchise and put them on the cusp of making the playoffs in their first year in their current jobs. That's so impressive. As opposed to guys, we're also talking about guys in their first stints doing the jobs that they currently hold as opposed to guys that have been GMs before and guys that have a boatload of experience. So it all adds up to say when you take the crap sandwich and you turn it into the Cinderella slipper in the first year that you are employed, in the case of D'Amico, both guys should get the credit that they're getting. 8924, do you think they should have just promoted Lovey to begin with to be the transitional coach instead of Cully? Mm-hmm. Probably would have been cheaper. I mean, hindsight 2020, yeah, Lovey should have been hired instead of David Cully. Yeah, you needed some guy that had at least some experience as a head coach. At the same day, at the same time, it doesn't matter. Like it, it really wouldn't have mattered. Like it would just it would have it would have made you look less incompetent. Is all it would have done. You yeah. wouldn't have won more games. You would have just looked more competent in the process. Yeah, they weren't trying to win anyway. But at least because of the in-game management, because from the, the visuals for people that were the casuals or the national media, you didn't look like a bumbling idiot because you've been a head coach on the pro and college level and you knew how to you know handle the sidelines and throw a red flag and manage your timeouts and do some of those things. Even if you were outdated and antiquated, right? Yeah. You still had that from a control standpoint that Cully didn't have. I mean, Cully won more games. Than, than Lovey Smith. He like, did. Think about that. Cully won four. Lovey won three. I, I still feel like, honestly, and I, I kind of still want to give Nick Casario a pass. To be honest, I, I don't really feel like he was in charge. I know he was, but like going back and looking what this organization went through, I think Cal McNair has shown a history of this personally that he lets one person get his ear and kind of lead the conversation in the direction of the franchise. I think you've seen this with Bill O'Brien where he eventually won the power struggle versus other GMs and he took over. I think Jack Easterby was the one who was calling the shots. Like, they interviewed Josh McCown twice. Yeah. Like Josh McCown was going to be the Houston Texans head coach, I firmly believe, in 2022 or 21, whichever it was, when the Brian Flores lawsuit came out. If Brian Flores doesn't sue the NFL, I still think Josh McCown would have been the head coach. I'll always honestly believe that. People I know and people in the organization that told me said he was the most powerful man in that franchise for, for a, a, a two-year span where from the business side to the football side, Jack Easterby was running things. And if you look at, it, look at it from Nick's perspective, and we've discussed this, when you have a guy that literally told Cal and got Cal's plane and said, we're going to go get the guy and went and got him when you knew that the, the Corn Ferry people didn't have him on their list of finalists for the job, that when you take the job, the first thing you're going to do is you're not going to poo-poo all over the guy that basically opened the door to get you in. Who is uh, who has his ear now? I think it's I, I think it's I think it's two headed monster. I just think I, I think Cal's getting out of the way, and I think that it's Jack and it's it's D'Amico. You mean Nick, uh, Nick. I mean no, Nick. See, no, I'm sorry, Nick and I, D'Amico. It's just a. I think it's a two man show now. I think the person who has his ear, finally, I think he's just listening to his wife. I do too. 
Oh, you're talking about Cal? Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I thought you meant decision-making. The decision-making, I, I yeah. think it's a two-headed monster. I, I think that's why he's out of the way now. Mm-hmm. It's because I think finally he got set straight of like, why don't you let football people do football things? You play video games and flip burgers yeah. and throw up the H in pictures. You know what the other thing that is, Joe? Is I, I, I agree with you, but I think to take it to another level as an owner, you have a lot of money, you feel like no one should talk to you a certain way or come in and try to act like the tougher, smarter guy in the room, and I feel like that's Bill O'Brien's personality. And so you take offense to that, and you don't like it, and then when it doesn't work out, it makes you it's, – it's even – it pisses you off more. You get two guys that have communication skills, people skills, and they go, hey, Cal, let me explain to you why we're going to do what we're going to do and how to do it. It's easier to take a step back now and say, I've got people that I like to work with that can communicate with me so that I trust them, as opposed to Bill O'Brien coming in and going, we're doing it this way, Cal. Shut up and stand back. Yeah, I think Hannah is acting like a real, like, CEO, like like a real uh, boss. Like, okay, Cal. Like we've we've had enough of this uh, incompetency in our organization. I'm going to kind of call the shots here. We're going to hire people that we think can make good football decisions. We think Nick's a smart guy. Uh, D'Amico, we're going to bring him in. If you can work with Nick, that's great. We know D'Amico's a smart guy. And then you get out of the way. Uh, they're finally acting like a, a real organization. Seven but, one. I'm oh, sorry. The one thing I would say to that though is, you got to have the buy-in of Janice if she still had to say so, and Cal. To make that happen, because she's she's probably the smart she's probably the, the most savvy person in the room, and I would dare say smartest person in the room in terms of the ownership group, uh, where Janice is now. But they've got to be able to let her do that because she's not full blooded family, you know. From that standpoint, to have Cal's wife come in and all of a sudden say she's going to do that, yeah. you got to have their blessing. My my family would do what my wife says or what I say, honestly, for sure. <laughs> Same. Same. Eight, eight nine two four Texans are lucky Nick didn't leave after having to deal with Jack. Eight seven five five. Not only the three of y'all said it would take four to six years to dig out of that hole. Uh, the bench said it would take that long to dig mm-hmm. out of the hole as well. Nick is ahead of schedule. I agree. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. What are the NFL overreactions from the weekend that you believe you don't believe? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5. You've chosen wisely. I have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderaan. Bees have relocated their hive. It's at the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, which is currently located at the decoy. Let's join the boys, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. Oh, great evening at the decoy. Great time to be out here. Take advantage of these happy hour specials, daily happy hour, every weekday until 7. That's a long time. Today happens to be a Western Wednesday. My kind of party. $2 off whiskey cocktails, specialty shots, uh, never a cover for MMA fights, UFC, pay-per-view, or boxing pay-per-views. Uh, get out here for your corporate event, maybe a birthday party, network event. You have to worry about pesky little children running around. Only 21 and older, which is a good thing that the previous show that occupied this time slot couldn't come out here because that would be, they'd have to check some IDs at the door. For Mapes? Uh, New Year's Eve party coming up, too, on uh, New Year's Eve. The show before us, by the way, is Connor and Beer. But they were here I meant, I meant who occupied this time slot. Oh, okay. Because they used to. They gotcha. Spe- Kellner, specifically. Yeah. Kellner yeah. looked like a baby. It's true. You think he's the only one? I mean, Cody with the. I mean, I, I never thought uh, Cody looks young. No, I'm not but, talking uh, about Cody either. No, nah, Jake with the beard. I think, okay. Jake looked like a cross between. Uh, Turtle and E from Entourage. That's a like bad It's actually a good call, but That's it's a, a good call. It's yeah. pretty like accurate. If Turtle and E somehow had a baby, who knows, in 2023, I think they would have produced Jake Asman. I'm trying 
I'm, can I, you do a mashup? Does that thing still he, exist? Yeah. You know, you could do celebrity mashups, yeah. and yes. he would have like the baby. Can yeah. you do that with Turtle and E and send that to us? Seven eight zero three seven seven six. What's that? Jake idolized E. Did he? He met him a couple times. And it I'm was trying like, so hard to get Ari to come to Nick's place on Friday. I, he's Ari Jer- Gold. Jeremy Piven's doing the, Piven's in town. He's doing the comedy club on Friday. <laughs> I've uh, heard. I've heard. He's, and I'm like, I've heard he's kind of salty. I, I reached out and I'm like, I'm like, please come. That guy's join awesome. us. He's well, incredible. His, his, I loved the character, but I heard he can be. No, he's honestly. I I actually had a great interaction with Jeremy. Is that right? We uh, when I worked at WGN in Chicago, we were out like the we had a a, a street view of the studio, mm-hmm. and he walked by the studio, and me and one of the other producers, we literally ran out of the studio, chased him down, like, Michigan Avenue, <laughs> asked him to come do a radio interview, and he came in. He did 45 minutes. Ooh, really? Wow. Yeah. Like, That's he just, like, cool. hung out with us. He's a great guy. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. All right, what are the NFL overreactions that you're buying into? Uh, you can you can send a few our way too. We'll opine on that. So we never bash or never shy away from that. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I saw a weird Twitter rumor that I'm really not putting any stock in, but it's great for this segment overreaction from the NFL weekend. Kirby Smart, next head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. I, I don't think that's happening. I think of Kirby, course not. Yeah, I mean, dude's in the the catbird hmm. seat. I mean, so he, so was Nick Saban at LSU. Yeah, a lot of them get that taste for the NFL. That's true. I mean, all college. I think Urban a majority Meyer. of college coaches ha- want to see their ego alone and their challenge. The challenge says, "I want to see if I can do this on the on the highest level of all." I think coaching in the NFL. Okay, this is gonna this is gonna sound like a hot take. I think it requires less work than being a head coach in college football. Right now it does. At least strenuous work. like Or at least work that you don't want to do. Like, being a head coach in the NFL, it's all about ball. It's all about ball. You don't have to fundraise. You don't have to, like, pitch these high school kids to take your NIL money. It's all about ball. You don't have to go out and recruit. You can just be in the office. You know you're going to the same office every day. You're not traveling around the country. You're going into the office every day. You're worrying about ball. And I think that that appeals to a lot of football-minded coaches. Plus, you're only really doing it for eight months a year. The, the, you, you do have an off-season where you can relax a little bit, and the stress and the pressure comes down. And you see guys be able to kind of de- detox from the intensity of an NFL season. College football is 24-7, 365. Trying to get your, your, your big money donors to keep donating money in NIL. Trying to make sure that your guys don't leave after a year if they didn't play as much as they thought they did. Trying to recruit every year to make sure you're still competitive. It is a t- That's why you see a lot of these guys call it a career. Jay Wright, uh, David Shaw at Stanford. Those are the kind of guys that said, hey, if it was just about coaching the sport and some recruiting, I'm good. But when i got to be on Twenty four seven three sixty five. I'm not long for this. Eric, the, Eric, the driver. NFL head coach requires less work, but they work. The work they do have is much, much more complex. Agree, but it's not like diverse because it's just ball. It's just ball. You have to worry about you know game planning. You have to worry about film if if you're involved in one side of the ball. But you don't have to recruit. You don't have to raise money from boosters. You don't have to then. Go to the high school recruits to give them the money that you've raised from these boosters with the NIL these days. The transfer portal where you're having to recruit your entire roster once they're already there. Being an NFL head coach is all about football. Plus, if you want a guy to go scout every road game, you don't have to worry about breaking NCAA rules and do those kind of things. You you have an unlimited budget to hire who you want, to do whatever you want, to try and win however you want, and and you can do whatever you want, and and you're constantly getting your hand slapped if you're in the NCAA. I don't see it happening either, but it wouldn't wouldn't be like a 100% stun. It would be like an 80% stun. And the other thing is... 
what happens to all these these great college head coaches that go to the NFL and then they don't work out? They get hired by another really good college the moment they go back into college football. Saban like went from LSU to Alabama. This doesn't score a network. Or the bridges yeah. they get good money to do less work when they work for a network, and then they get another gig. Yeah, some of them. It's so funny because it does scream like he leaves to go take the Falcons job. He's there for two or three years. It doesn't go well. Saban retires. Yeah. Kirby Smart is the next head coach at the University of Alabama. Yeah, like that's what it screams. And I used to, I would use if this was two years ago, I would say no chance. But I wonder like what NIL is doing to these coaches. Oh, it's killing having them. to deal with Nick Saban calling your players on your roster during the regular <laughs> season, being like, "Hey, come leave, leave Georgia, come play at Alabama." Like I, I wonder if maybe the trend will change. At some point, I think it's it's absolutely but, getting to be that was the boiling paint point that became too much for a lot of coaches because they're like now it does big bank beats little bank every time essentially and they don't like that and, and if you look at it the only one that really went pro took the challenge and and couldn't and couldn't bounce back from it the last time was Urban Meyer but he did that to himself but you think about it Calipari took see, a I disagree sh- with that though I think Urban Meyer could get a college job if he wanted it I don't know who you think so I don't know absolutely. I don't think so. Absolutely, I, don't think so. I think Urban Meyer could get a college job. Michigan State was basically like begging them to come out of retirement. I think I he didn't could, hear I that, he but could easily get a college job. Now, it might not be like a top tier job, but like second tier, you'd, absolutely. You'd have to do the Kiffin rebuild. Go, go small school. Like you don't think he could have the Indiana job if he wanted to be the Indiana head coach? No, that's probably true. Absolutely, he could, yeah, he he could, could get been. that. Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I, he could probably have another job, but the premier job that he had, that he had, I don't, I don't think it's like you're going to take a road like. Uh, like Kiffin did to try and rebuild your entire reputation and everything that goes with it. I don't it. know. Like because people, people at Texas, like the start of the year, were like, if Sark screws up, go Urban after Meyer. Urban, and that's Texas. I wonder if I see. I think if there's a coach that's going to do it, it would be Lincoln. I, I wonder if there's any chance that Lincoln Riley bails. I could see that happening, and he especially gets, goes to Chicago. You saw Cliff do it. I see. I don't think his demand is high die. enough right now, though, because I don't think he, he didn't have a great year. But to that, your point, that, that's big. Yeah. But to your point. Cliff went five and seven at Tech. Yep. Yeah, every and year was the head the coach in Arizona. Job. Yeah, Cliff got fired from Tech. Took the USC offensive coordinator job for a day. Never called the a play there, and then was the head coach in Arizona. It was yeah. like such a weird path to the NFL. But you're right. The fact that they're always going to get another gig when you just think about in, uh, across sports, but it's primarily because baseball isn't the same as we're talking about with college basketball, college football. But Calipari, Saban. Spurrier. Spurrier got the South Carolina job after he completely bombed with Washington. Yeah. I mean, everybody can go to the pros and screw up, and you're probably, unless you screw up off the field and really make it a little bit more challenging, most guys are going to get another gig. See, I, I still think you get a gig. It just t- kind of takes the luster from the program. Like, Gary, the driver brings up Patino. Patino's at St. John's now. Like, yeah, he, he, he keeps, he's like he's like nine lives guy. No yeah, matter what happens to co- Patino. He can coach. And people if you thought- can coach, you're going to get hired. People thought he might aim higher than St. John's this offseason. Yeah, and he probably could have got it, but I think he just loves New York. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Stefanski should be front runner to coach of the year. We were talking about this Monday, right? Yeah, we yeah. Was it Lamont yeah. that brought it by us? I think I mean I'm I'm Somebody I think he should be in the top three. I know we looked at the odds and it was yeah. it was it was uh, Dan Campbell, D'Amico, and Steichen. I, I personally think Stefanski should be in there winning nine games with four different quarterbacks, you know, not having Nick Chubb. The defense has gone to another level. The, When's the last time an NFL team gave up less than 300 yards per game? They're going to do that this season. It's been at least a decade. But he's not going to so get like, credit for it because he's I an know. offensive coach. But he hired his new D.C. See, I would. I, I don't think this is an overreaction. I, I think Stefanski should be the coach of the year. Uh, like, if the season were in right now, he would be my vote for coach of the year. Yeah. 
So I, I don't I, think this is an overreaction. It's I, him or D'Amico for me. Yeah, I, I think it, I still lean D'Amico. But, it, you know, to be a guy that looked like he'd be the scapegoat for a bad Deshaun Watson and a bad contract and a team that was going to grossly underachieve, to be where they're sitting right now, he, you're right, he, gets, he should get some love. I think Dan Campbell shouldn't get as much love as he's getting. The Rams are the most dangerous of the 7-7 seven and seven NFC playoff contenders. Who you are know, the rest you, of them? You know, for me, I'm a yes on that. Google.com. I mean, for me, it's it, the way they're playing right now, Puka, Cup, Kyrie Williams, like it, it is absolutely – they're way better than Tampa. They're way yeah. better than the Saints. They're way better than Nick Mullins and the Vikings. <laughs> I, they're better than – better I than mean, Seattle? Big win. I mean, Drew Locke, if Drew Locke stays as the quarterback, yeah. maybe not. I don't think this is an overreaction either. Like, it's, it's, a le- it's a bunch of mediocrity. I'm, they're going to the win NFC. a first-round playoff game. Minnesota, Tampa, New Orleans, Seattle, and L.A. are the 7-7 seven seven teams. Matt yeah, Stafford's going to beat the Lions in the first round. You just really, you, you really, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You really want that matchup. It's going to happen. They're going to be the sixth seed. They're going to play the Lions in the first round, and Matt Stafford's going to go back into Detroit and beat the Lions in the playoffs, and I can't <laughs> wait. All right. Seven, you know one, I don't three, believe in the Seahawks. 780-3776. Why the face Wednesday? Why is Joe George making faces today? Killer Bees broadcasting live from the decoy in Spring Branch on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I'm an idea man, Chuck. This is Bill. Idea to eliminate garbage. Edible paper. Anyone can have a hot take on sports. You're going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? But that's not what these guys are about. Joel and Jeremy are real, actual human beings. Guys that have lives, families, and feelings and stuff. So it's WTF Wednesday. WTF, why the phase? Where these guys let you in on their non-sports interests, goals, and dare I say it, dreams. But more than likely, they're going with all of the WTF moments of the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. Why the phase? With the Killer Bees. All right, Killer Bees broadcasting live. We're at the Decoy and Spring Branch. Great spot. Love this spot. Always love coming out here. They have weekday happy hours until 7. You come hang out with us until 6. And then you're here for another hour. Join the happy hour specials. Today is a Western Wednesday. $2 off. Whiskey, cocktail, specialty shots. Your place to watch all the college football ball games if you like that sort of thing. Indoor 24-foot TV wall. Outdoor 185-inch big screen. They have sand volleyball courts, which look very appealing, very fun. A New Year's Eve party coming up when? New Year's Eve. It's also your spot for UFC boxing pay-per-views. Never charge a cover your events. This is the perfect place. You don't have to worry about children either because 21 and up only. Love this spot. All right, why the face Wednesday? We make faces Wednesday. Well, Joe makes faces Wednesday. Joe, why are you making faces on this Wednesday? Yeah, first thing I saw, like I, I, I know I'm the minority of the of the group here in terms of no, how much. Uh, sorry, that's not what I meant. <laughs> um, you should clip that, Brian. Um, that'd be a good promo, probably again. Like the I'm not white one. You just qualified <laughs> for the car wreck again. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm always there. Uh, but I, I consume the most barstool sports content, pretty much of anyone I think on the station, but specifically on this show. Uh, they're doing a, a, a company wide spelling bee. They put $5,000 on the line, and my first reaction was, why aren't we doing that for maybe like $500 or $5? Because <laughs> Creighton would run it and win it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so my, my, my real face was, who would win? Um, I'm the most decorated spelling bee guy at the station. You're a champion. I won the spelling bee in third grade. Okay. I won the spelling bee in third grade. Joel rolled his eyes at me. Blankers? He doesn't like me when I talk about you myself. Got any, you got any spelling bee championships? I know. I have Not one that bee? I can recall. I competed in them, I think. 
See, I was a spelling B champion before I was a killer B. Now, that was the best I was at spelling. Time out. I, I, it was the best I was at spelling. Pause. Great it, spelling. it was awful. It was a two. It was just intent. Sure. The intent was to be bad. It was to be over-the-top awful. And it worked because it was over-the-top awful. But, yeah, we graded. 713-780-3776. Lower the score, the better here. Um... Yeah, I was a, I was a spelling bee champion at Lakeland Elementary in Humble ISD in third grade, and I have never I've never improved. That was the heyday of my spelling. In that my was your life. pinnacle. I've, I remember pinnacle. the word that I missed. Good speller since I would remember the word that I missed, yeah. and then it would help me to spell that word, but no other word. Yeah, I don't know how I won it. I was never a very good speller, but I did. I, I won it. So who would win it now? I would say. I think Paul's the most intellectual. I, I was thinking the same huh. thing. I think Paul's the most intellectual. Paul's super smart. His vocabulary he's kind too. Of, like he's kind of nerdy. No, like, Paul's super nerdy. He, like he doesn't seem like he is because he's kind of a bro and he likes to go out and talk about girls. But he's pretty nerdy. Like he reads really weird books that I would never read. He watches shows I would never watch. I'm gonna go Paul. I was thinking Paul Syracuse education, and he does use a lot of uh, a lot of uh, multisyllable words. Um, and his his vocabulary is pretty sharp. Uh, if it's not Paul, I think that I would go with either Beard or PC as runner up. Now I know I'm I'm gonna make a con. I'm I'm gonna tell you who I'm gonna pick, and you're gonna say I thought we were only including talent. Um, <laughs> but the answer is Andrew. Oh, I've heard Andrew use a lot of big because words on the radio too. When we were doing the bullpen together on the weekends, just him and I. He would use words, and I would just stare at him in confusion (laughs) of, like, what does that mean? I'm sure it makes sense in the context of this conversation we're having, but he just, like, randomly drops in big words. No doubt. That people do not use. So he's not just a pretty face. He's not. It came to me, but, but, but I again, you're right, technicality. I didn't think we were choosing with producers, too, but there's no doubt that I've heard him use a lot of big words on the air. Okay. Uh, maybe we should just make it a heads-up matchup between Paul and Andrew. I really don't even want to be in a spelling bee these days. Like, oh no, I don't want to. Really. I don't want to have to spell words. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't either. I'll, I'll I'll take myself out of the conversation. I want to say we tried one years ago, like in the last three or four years, and I want to say that someone missed a very small, short, easy to spell word, and it was never. It was around for quite a while. So, yeah, you could do more damage than good at this point. You either spell your... Yeah, but you all know that's me. Like, I, I'm the one that gets, like, this easy word that I know how to spell, and then I just, I go full me, and I just make a buffoon of myself. And you guys laugh at me forever. <laughs> you know like, what's beautiful? It's already, it's already on the, It's me or Beard. Like, me or Beard embarrass ourselves the most, probably. Or Paul hits this, like, super complicated word, and then his follow-up is, like, five letters, and he gets... <laughs> Grammarly is the greatest thing ever created. I've never used Grammarly. Oh, if you use Grammarly with your when you have it like on your phone and on your email, oh my god, it just corrects everything instantly. It's fantastic. Don't iPhones do that? I don't have an iPhone. Genius. <laughs> I know. So we had to change BMAC so Andrew, so Jeremy could get his text on his computer because you have your yeah. dinosaur Android. That's why I said that. Genius. Would you never make the trade? You ever thought Lisa, about Lisa it? Lisa wa- has wanted me to for years. Are you the only one in your family? Well, yeah. I guess it's only the two. The yeah, my kids. They're they're, they're rattled. They're not. They're well, I mean, they're yet. iPads and. Are, are Apple? What's your hangup? I, I I get used to my phone and I like it, and I don't want to spend the extra two grand on on, a, on another phone if that, this one's working just I, fine. I think that's fair. My yeah, mom was like that. She she was a, always had the green bubbles forever, and then she finally made the change. And then she also like hated it as soon as she did it. Oh really? But it's like, but you're like financially committed at that point. Like yeah, Lisa bought it bought for me phone. for my bought, bought phones for me for my birthday like at least two years in a row. 
And I just said, send it back because I'm just I'm fine with the one that I got. If it was cracked screen and broken, you can fix it. But if it was like a complete malfunction, I'd consider it. All right. I got one sports one. I understand. Uh, Sean, Sean Mapes educated me on this topic today a little bit because um, I didn't realize who his dad was. But I, I, I just can't believe that the number eight recruit in the country, that this Dylan Rayola guy is going to Nebraska. Who's his dad? Uh, his dad was an offensive lineman for Nebraska. Oh, so he's a legacy. Yeah, and I guess his uncle might be the offensive line coach there now. But, like, he's the number two quarterback in the country. Yeah. He was committed to Georgia. He yeah. flipped to go to Nebraska. Like, why? Like, don't you want to go to the NFL? I know you, you probably can. can. That's not. I don't like that take. You can know. get to the NFL from anywhere. You can. You can Look at Will Levis. Went to Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, like, that's Nebraska. a weird comp. Kentucky's know. not a big time football Kentucky's program. Kentucky's in the SEC. No, but I feel like, not a good but I feel like team. Nebraska. If, you, if you're a good football player in the SEC, you're getting drafted no matter where you're at. Okay, Ben Roethlisberger went to Miami of Ohio. That's a good better call. example. I feel like Nebraska's the Kentucky of the Big Ten. I mean, look, like, Carson Wentz like was a first rounder for yeah, Trey Lance. Yeah. Like, I mean, you if you're no, a good football sucks, player, it doesn't matter where you're. Tony play. Romo. Yeah, it wasn't if you're good at the NFL. He's making the NFL. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't. That's why, but that's also why I like the NIL. I think, and what the transfer portal has done is, it does feel like it's kind of brought some balance to college football. That instead of all the recruits going to Georgia and Alabama, but I'm just like, I know you have family history, but it's Nebraska. Nebraska likes their football, though. Like I'm, that's I would, all I got. So it wouldn't shock me that they're like heavily, like heavily involved in the NIL. In fact, there's some rumor that Nebraska was heavily involved in the NIL before NIL was NIL. I wouldn't surprise. But if your coach is out there days. talking about the 1.5 to 2 million dollars to get a good quarterback in college football. The fact is that if he knows the prices associated with it, he probably knows that that's what he's going to hit up his boosters for. Yeah. Josh Allen, Wyoming. Somebody texted. Texter's yeah. asking, uh, what does the text line spelling look like? Atrocious. It's really bad. I mean, most of y'all it's are awful. driving, though. Grammar is bad, too. <laughs> most of you are driving. It's true. Yeah, I give him a little bit of a pass. The Twitchers who have no life. He's saying, have he's no saying grammar. they text, though, when they're driving. Yeah. Yeah. My texting, my, my grammar's not good when I text and drive. By the way... May, I, I was going to see see what you guys thought about this. Do you see Tiger and Nike might be parting ways at the uh, end of the year? Oh, no. And and if Tiger walks, with none of his golf winnings involved in this, the Nike deal will have been wrapped up at between 550 and $600 million wow. over his career. That's insane. That is a large sum of money. And that they've already worked on and they had to take it down. They have a deal for Charlie. At least one deal with a, a the golf clothing and apparel company for Charlie. And then because he's still in high school and they're still wanting to make sure that they do it the right way, they had tweeted it and then took it down. Not surprised. Yeah, apparently his son wasn't wearing any Nike stuff at the PNC. No, he wasn't. And Tiger has, hasn't has worn Nike shoes since his uh, surgery. He's so, been wearing yeah. foot joints. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a... I don't know if it's a if it's a Nike thing or if it's, it's a Tiger a, thing. No, it's a combination because they kept asking him at the PNC and he said, I'm still wearing the logo. I'm right. still wearing it. But then... Because of the fact that Nike, remember a couple years ago, they pulled out of the club business. They just do the apparel now. So there's a lot of guys that are playing tailor-made wearing Nike and such. And like you said, even the shoes. And they're obviously Nike's known for shoes, and he can't wear them. That more and more, they're thinking Nike's going to pull out of the golf business. Um, I don't think much of it. I really don't care. Um, it's a it, sick amount of money. It would be. It's a sick amount of money. But it's not what he's going to make in the future, right? Like, I wonder if he controls his logo. I would assume, like the remember the, the Kawhi Leonard thing. Didn't Nike drop Federer too? Like, this is kind of Nike. This is kind of Nike's talk thing. About, like, talk about guys late in their career. If Tiger plays it, I don't know if there's anything out there that he could. Did you hear the Federer deal? He he pulled out of Nike, or they they agreed to, to to part ways, right? He got in with On that running shoe company before they went public, and they gave him three percent stock. It went public, and he made three hundred million dollars. <laughs> 
It's right. a life for That's a damn good business decision. If there was one ESPN 97.5 personality that brought up a Nike deal, who well, do you think it would have been? That's no. a funny guy. Up here. <laughs> it would be weird with Tiger no Nike. As long as he doesn't get rid of the red on Sundays, though. I'm fine. I mean, as long as they don't give a steroid test, it's fine. Oh, dang. He's, Look at photos. He looks <laughs> no, he looks he's, yoke. He's like Sammy Sosa, White <laughs> yeah. Sox to Sammy Sosa Cubs. You look at him l- lately, he is over Jack. Yeah, he's like, he's been feeling real good. Yeah, he um he does look really big. I'm just not going to say that because I don't want to get sued. He's also only going to play like five tournaments this year. Probably all the majors yeah. and PNC, maybe yeah. his own. Yeah. That's, a, that's all I need. That's all I need from Tiger. I, I mean, I love watching him still play golf and, and still trying to win. But if you're Nike, how much are you still getting the, the same burn for the buck? Yeah, probably not. Uh, Bad Take Boulevard Tournament begins when we return. Next five shows, we're going to have a little play. We're doing group stage, Joe? No, we're going one-on-one. Straight we went down bracket. to eight teams. Yep. All right, so we're going to have a Bad Take Boulevard bracket over the next five shows and we're going to play down to the winner uh before the end of the year so that's next bad take boulevard tournament see how it goes killer bees on espn 97.5 and espn 92.5 what do you need to know if you ever get into a car accident the answer is simple you already know that you need to call hollingsworth law firm how much will you pay you don't pay a thing until you win your case. No billable hours, no invoices, no retainers with Hollingsworth Law Firm. It's a beautiful thing, Jeremy, because of the fact that so many people are trying to tag you with so many bills and get as much money out of you as they can. And then they might not even pay attention to your case if it's not a big enough money case where they can win something that they feel good about. But with Hollingsworth Law, Law Firm, they have extra motivation. They don't get paid unless they win. So they're going to go out and they're going to work their tail off from the, the minute that the accident happens to try and make sure that they get paid and you get what's, what you rightfully deserve. And that's why you want them on your side. You save their phone number. You put it in your phone because you never know when you're going to get in a car accident. But when you do, you need some people in your corner from the jump, from the get-go, fighting the insurance companies, fighting the other driver, and fighting for what's rightfully yours. Hollingsworth Law Firm's the best corner man you can have on your side. You don't want to deal with these insurance companies like Blankers was talking about. You want an expert, and that is Hollingsworth Law Firm. Call now for a free consultation, 713-999-8773, 713-999-8773. Visit them online, carwrecktexas.com. It's carwrecktexas.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 at work, in the gym, and in the bedroom. I've seen the huge difference it's made for you in the gym, at work, and in the bedroom. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. He's Blank. I'm Branham. We are broadcasting live from the Decoy in Spring Branch. Happy hour specials every day until 7. College football all the time, at least until football season's over. NFL is just your spot to watch it as well. All right, so what are we doing here in this Bad Take Boulevard tournament as we play down to the Bad Take of the Year? All right, so we've got the eight worst takes of 2023. We've been keeping track at a list of 16. I narrowed it down to eight. We're going to do pretty much one a day, maybe two. We'll do two on Friday. So we've got one today, one tomorrow, two on Friday. Then next week we're off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, we'll do the semifinals on Thursday and the championship game on Friday, crowning the worst take of 2023 we put a twitter poll up so we'll take that into consideration we'll discuss it amongst ourselves and we'll take the texters and the tweeters as well so so basically so it sounds like whoever wins the twitter or the uh, twitter vote's gonna be the winner pretty much yeah we'll let the texters have a say it's gonna be like one point each like we're gonna collectively be one 
think you had to I give it too much weight to the to the general public. That's what math that you're doing here. I got I got it figured out. It's all on me. I got the responsibility. Of I'm this sure one. he feels really good about that after he found out yeah, about BZ Money. I don't. Um, yeah, I just I don't want to do the work. I'm doing all the work. Okay. It's all me. I'm doing all the work. I put the list together. Everything's good to go. All right, so are you giving all, all eight today? Yeah, well, should we quickly go through that? And yeah, then... we go through the bracket here. All right, so we got the eight seed. Twins fans, Channy, we want Houston. Last year, yeah. the winner of the bracket was Yankees fans wanting Houston. Uh, number seven, Nathaniel Lowe uh, of the Rangers going on TV and saying it's our division to lose. Uh, QB1. Is it World Series? And uh, Baytown Batty uh, saying <laughs> uh, root for the Rangers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, we've got number he, five. He, he does root for Arlington. That's team, true. So. Uh, we got number five. We've got the Jimbo Fisher A&M plaque, the guaranteed national <laughs> championship. Uh, number four, Pretty myself. Expensive plaque. Uh, myself. I said the Bears won the division. Uh, number three, <laughs> Jeremy Branham. Oh. Saying it could be the worst day in franchise history. Uh, um, is that exactly what I said? Yes. I listened to the tape. Could be. That's why I didn't. You didn't say will be. Could be. Uh, number two, Joel, saying the Texans will have a top three pick, and our number one seed, the Carolina Panthers, taking Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. So today's matchup is this: the number one seed, the Carolina Panthers, take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud versus the number eight seed, Twins fans chanting, "We want Houston." We'll take your texts. We'll take your tweets. We got a poll on Twitter. So the. To know everything on the table and know you wanted Houston versus Carolina getting punished because most everybody thought it was a pretty open call on who was going to be the first pick. It's tough because obviously the way it turned out in hindsight, I mean, in uh, in retrospect, when you look at it, it's pretty much a no-brainer that Carolina screwed up not getting their franchise quarterback. And Bryce Young may be very good. I don't know that he's ever going to be TJ, at least the way it looks right now. And obviously the Twins got... Their butts handed. Yep. Yeah. The Twins lost in the division series. Yes. So that's not as and they're the twin they're Minnesota. That's why so they're they, the, that's why they're not the as polarizing as the New York Yankees. Yep. And that happened in the ALCS. What makes the Bryce Young pick at one so bad was how good CJ Stroud has been. Um, we're not voting on this. This is all no, fan we'll, interaction. No, we'll get we're a vote. Discussing too. it. Yeah. I don't think we should have a vote. Okay, no votes for us. Listeners. Um you're running it. And you okay, that's, uh, cool. that's all right. Show discussion. Yeah, um, I would probably lean. I'd probably lean Carolina drafting Bryce here. the The gap between Bryce and CJ Stroud is just too big. Like, I mean, CJ Stroud looks like a generational player, like one of the best of all time. Case Keenum's words go, "Cougs, not mine." Like the Astros beat Minnesota in the ALDS. They lost in the ALCS. Like we forgot all about Minnesota. Like if you look back at last year's Astros playoff season, do we even think about Minnesota? No. No. Like you look at the ALCS and the drama that took place there. Yeah, that you fell short. Like we don't even like we remember it. It just wasn't that big of an impact. I I personally, and I know it's in the hand of the listeners. I personally would go. Uh, I would go with Bryce being the number one pick, even though it was like the consensus decision at the time. Yeah, I I, I think. I think because we only uh, you make a good point that if, if we all I, all I remember is the Rangers beat the, the Astros. Same. Yeah, I mean I don't remember anything previous to that, and you don't hate Twins fans the way you hate Yankees fans. When the Yankees did it, it was another just stupid act of ridiculousness from a fan base that loves to do that. It's just you. you, you I think Jeremy makes a good point. 
you can't ignore the fact that there's such a gap between who they took and who they didn't take, and they controlled everything. It was yeah. like basically the Texans just got to pick up whoever was left of the two and got the better pick. The only thing about the, the Twins, though, is that, and the reason why I think it's such a bad take to even just do it, is you saw what happened last year. Like, it wasn't just the Yankees. Phillies fans did it, too. <laughs> and then the Twins fans did it. Now, the Rangers fans did it as well, and it worked for them. But, like, three times in a row, people chanted, we want Houston, and they got smoked mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Like, it, it is, honestly, I think even the Mariners fans might have done it. I think you might at, be right. At the reg- end of the regular season last year. So, I, I, I think it definitely be- deserved to be on the list. Sure. But the thing with Bryce is that Bryce is such a worse quarterback than C.J. Stroud that it seems pretty pretty cut and dry, honestly, to me, that it should be Bryce. But I, but I don't think that they take – I don't think they're taking a big one in the shorts because it wasn't like well, – he's only 5'10". Okay. I mean, have they not, though? They fired their coach. Like, I think that's the answer here. Like, it was such a bad decision. Like, yes, it was consensus at the time, but it was such a bad decision to get the head coach fired. But wouldn't it be the general one. manager? He got got too, did he not? Did they not fire the GM as well? Mm-hmm. I th- oh, they, no, they I thought they just fired just the, coach. the coach. I thought it was just the coach. I okay. thought it was just Frank Reich. Um, yeah, I still think I lean that way, though, because he still got the head coach fired before the season was even over. Remember, and he was in the first year of his job. First year as the head coach of Carolina, and he got got before the season was I over. I do remember when we were leading up to the draft, it was Davis, was it, the ex-linebacker that does radio in Carolina, yep. that said that they wanted C.J.? And that that's who he thought would be the sleeper pick that they might just surprise everybody and take. And then they didn't do it. So yeah. maybe it was, you know, a lot of people in the organization thinking one way and, and maybe someone did overrule. But it's just looking at this now, it's you just you can't you can't escape the fact that they it, they missed by a bunch. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Who should advance in the bad take boulevard bracket? Um, Twins fan says this guy. What does the Twitter poll look like? Uh, the Twins are advancing. Twins are advancing? Yes. Last year we had all chalk wow. in our Bad Take Boulevard bracket. Uh, we are going to combine the Twitter votes with our votes and the text votes and stuff. But it's a blowout in the Twitter poll. Really? Wow. So the Twins fans won 74. Or, yeah, Twins fans got 20, 74 It's a huge upset. I wonder. Um, it's a Cinderella story. I wonder why. Maybe it's because of the local tie. Like maybe people just don't really care about Bryce, and they're kind of happy. Obviously, they're very happy. They're happy about they're it. Happy so they're they not. took Bryce, but so they really don't really care as much. Dancing on a coffin, they're just like their Astros are still their Astros, and it, yeah. there's more to defend there. It could be. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's because both of like Minnesota was yelling at the Astros. Plus, the like the whole we want Houston thing. I think resonates with the city. I think that's part versus of it too. like I don't think Houston fans. Like view Carolina picking Bryce Young, like they view it as a as a bad take, but they're not like gravitated towards it because they were the benefactor, the biggest benefactor and, of Bryce going number one to Carolina. And frankly, I think a majority of people also had that bad take in this city. Like most fans would have said before the draft, Bryce over CJ. Oh, there's no doubt. I, I, I they they can lie all they want, but that was a predominant way of thinking for oh, everybody sure. in this city that that Lovey cost them the chance to get Bryce Young and this is going to haunt them for a long time oh, and ticks. that's who they wanted. They were ticks. They, they went from uh, that to wanting to put a statue up of Lovey <laughs> yep. for winning that game. Yeah, Lovey. So so the Twins are advancing. Huh. Okay. So we got upset city. I think that's Eight a huge takes upset. Down the yeah. one. Eight What's tomorrow's matchup? Uh, so tomorrow we'll have Joel saying the Texans will have a top three pick versus Nathaniel Lowe of the Rangers. 
saying it's their division to lose. Okay, I look forward to that. The Bad Take Boulevard bracket continues tomorrow. I think I might win this bad boy. <laughs> I, I like my chances to win this. I think so, too. I, I, think like you have, I think you have a pretty strong chance to win this one. Yeah, really Honestly, do. if I write it on Twitter as QB1 in Baytown Baddie says roots for the Rangers, will that hurt them or help them? Should I just tag Salisbury and Clint with our official ESPN Night Zone Twitter account? Ooh, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> You're going to get some reaction from that. Why not? Worst takes of the year, at Sean Unfiltered, my, my guy, <laughs> at Baytown Baddie. You won't do it. Because at least Sal's yeah, yeah, my boy. You won't Sal's is my boy. I can give Sal's a heads up. You won't do it. I won't. Do it. I'm a coward. No, do it. I'm a coward. Once you put it out there, if you don't do it, you're going to be soft. I am soft. So you got to do it. All right, I'll do it. If Word, you don't do it, I'll be disappointed. Word's going to travel fast, though, isn't it? That even if you don't, they're gonna, it's going to get to them? I don't know. I'll text Sean. That's what the killer bees do. We don't, uh, we don't back down. So you got to do it now, Joe. All right. We'll continue Bad Take Boulevard tournament tomorrow. You guys want to have a tough conversation real quick? Sure. Yes. Did the Texans' success defensively against the Oilers impact the way you feel about Will Anderson Jr. at all? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Dude. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir. The check is in the mail.